to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hello, hello, Sarah McKenzie here. You're listening to episode 79 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Really happy to be with you today. I'm just really excited about the rest of this season. So I want to make sure that you know what's coming around the corner and that you don't miss out on it. Next week for episode 80, we have a gift guide coming your way. This is uh, the ultimate gift guide for the young readers in your life. If you are wanting to cultivate the reading life of the young people you know, and actually our gift guide includes several things you'll probably enjoy yourself and want to add to your own wish list. So make sure you come back to the podcast next Tuesday because that gift guide is not to miss. If you subscribe to the email list, you'll be the first to know when that podcast drops. The show notes for that one are a doozy. They're amazing. I do say so myself because you will see pictures and clickable links to all of the gifts that we recommend for young readers in your life. Really excited to share it with you. To make sure you're on that email list, you want to go to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email into the page there where it tells you you can join 70,000 email subscribers because then you will be the first to know when that gift guide is available. Sometimes when we recommend things, um, they go out of stock a little bit quickly on Uh, Amazon or other places online that we're linking to things. So you kind of want to listen to that gift guide early on and check out the show notes right away so that you can make sure you get in on the good stuff. We found some really amazing gifts for young readers. After that, we have two amazing interview guests coming on. Katherine Patterson, who has written some of the best essays on reading and writing books for kids that I've ever read. I talk about A Sense of Wonder all the time. It's actually out of print, but she gave us permission to read my favorite chapter in its entirety on the podcast. We do that in episode 81, and then she came to the Read Letter Bible and had a conversation with me. It was fantastic. So that is coming, and then we're going to finish out uh, season 11 with a conversation with Dr. Michael Gurian. You may know him from the Gurian Institute. I told you earlier this year that we were going to have an expert come on and talk to us about our kids fidgeting while we read aloud. And he was going to give us some research that showed not only is it okay if our kids fidget when they read aloud or do things with their hands or move around with their bodies, in many cases, it's actually preferable. He comes on the podcast to talk about that. So great ending of the season for uh, season 11 here on Read Aloud Revival. You don't want to miss any of it. So make sure you're signed up for our emails. We'll send you a note each Tuesday morning letting you know what's new, the new podcast episode and great resources like that upcoming gift guide that I promise you do not want to miss. Go to readaloudrevival.com, pop your email in on the page there so you don't miss out. Now let's talk to today's guest. Sarita Holzman is a veteran homeschool mom, the founder of Sunlight Curriculum, loved by many as a homeschool curriculum that uses real books as its foundation and focuses on the parent-child relationship. She's a speaker, a writer, curriculum developer, missions advocate, and an active grandmother to eight homeschooled kids. Today, Sarita is joining us to talk about her own homeschooling experience with her kids, one of whom struggled to learn to read. She attributes reading aloud with him to his ultimate success with reading. We're going to ask her all about that. Plus, her seven-point all-star test. This is how she chooses books. And 
I'm going to ask her about how many books she reads because I think you're going to be floored when you find out how many books she reads and uses this seven-point all-star test with to choose books for the Sunlight Curriculum. Sarita, it is a true joy to talk to you today. Welcome to the Read Aloud Revival. Well, thank you. It's a huge privilege to be here as well. So I was hoping you'd share a little bit about your son, Luke, and his experience with reading. I have heard that he struggled initially with reading, but then eventually graduated as valedictorian. So we have a lot of families in the Read Aloud Revival community with struggling readers. I'm raising my hand here because I've had my own struggling readers, and I'd love to hear your story there. He probably had uh, tracking issues or something that we didn't actually know what was going on. He had a fall as a, about a two-year-old. He fell down an entire flight of steps and had to relearn how to walk. So he had issues probably with all kinds of things that would normally not be involved with everybody else. But he would just sit on the couch next to me. We would take out our readers and I would use a phonics program because I honestly believe it works the best. I'd read a sentence, then he would read a sentence. I'd read a sentence, then he'd read a sentence. And he'd be just pouring off sweat. But honestly, you just have to keep practicing, keep trying, keep working on different things. And then we get to the point where he could read a paragraph and I'd read a paragraph. You just wanted to make it doable and approachable. You wrote a wonderful post called When Kids Struggle with Reading, Even in a Print-Rich Home. And listeners, we're going to link to this in the show notes. So you just go to readaloudrevival.com and look for this episode and you'll be able to find the article. That article talks about the difference between literacy and reading ability. Can we talk a little bit more about that? I think a lot of us hope that if we just fill our homes with reading and books and we're avid readers and we love books, that our kids will just become voracious readers who pick up on reading naturally. And that is just not always the case. So can we talk a little more about that? Having a home filled with rich with books and reading those books to your children is a huge gift you can give to your kids. And what I mean by that is, even if they'll never read them themselves, you have put in their minds all the information and all the words and the beautiful vocabulary, all of those things you've given as a gift to your children. If they can't read them themselves, they still gain the benefit that you have that as you've given it, as you've read them to them. I believe that reading gives our kids the cultural literacy that they need. We can teach our kids to decode and uh, Hirsch has a marvelous passage when he talks about that he had two different tests that he gave kids. And one of them, two articles was one was about love and the other one was about Lee and Grant meeting at, at the end of the Civil War. And everybody could decode and understand the passage about love, but only people who knew the background, the cultural literacy, the, the information, what that article even was about Only they could understand that they were reading about the final days of the Civil War and the ending of that time period. It's important that our kids have that framework, the background, the understanding. Otherwise, we're just giving them data points and facts that don't necessarily hold together. So we can give our kids the gift of understanding their world as we read different titles with them. Uh, We're giving them a bridge. We're giving them the we're bridging that knowledge gap that they would have even if they can't read it themselves. My own son was nine before he was reading fluently, and I remember angsting, of course, <laughs> for many yeah, years yeah. in between, wondering, but he listened to so many audiobooks during that time and ended up gaining a whole lot of knowledge about the world, and not just knowledge, like factual knowledge, but also just his emotions and his empathy was stirred through the stories that he heard through audiobooks and through me reading aloud to him that I really feel like even though he wasn't reading on his own until he was older, he was still gaining the benefits, the best benefits from books during that time because of reading aloud. 
I totally agree. And again, it's a gift that we can give to our children in a way that we couldn't give them any other. <laughs> we couldn't pound that much information into their brain, but yeah. we could do it so naturally and so easily just through the reading of great stories. Yeah, totally agree. So you read a lot of books to vet them for the Sunlight Curriculum, right? Do you know how many books you read in an average month, let's say? <laughs> <laughs> well, one year I did, I actually kept a list of how many I had read. Now, not all of them do you finish because they're not all worth reading, but I was reading at least a book a day. So, and wow. that's not picture books, that's, and it's not War and Peace. So to be fair, we got on both ends there. But you use a specific seven-point test for books. Let's unpack that because... I have read about this before, and I'm really eager to hear you talk about each of those things that you look for in the books that you select for your curriculum. First off, we look for real, realistic characters. I know when I was growing up, there were a, a series where you had the good guys were really dressed in white, and they always behaved perfectly, and the bad guys wore black, and you could tell that they were evil. That would not be an example of a book we would choose. You want characters that while they are walking through life, they maybe make mistakes. They do things that aren't maybe perfect, but they learn from them and they get more great as they go along. Uh, probably a real good example of that would be Caddy Woodlawn, who is just a charming person, but she goes, oh, I should probably bolster my relationship with my younger sister. I've kind of ignored her. And she learns from even that as she goes through life. She's not naughty. She's not mean, but she's a person that you'd say, I actually would like to be friends with that girl. And that would be an example of a real or realistic character. Yeah, because if a real character, the hero of the story, doesn't have some flaws, then we have a hard time relating to them because we all know we have flaws, <laughs> right? It's, to it's totally true. And honestly, we want to give our kids an example. They can learn from the mistakes that people make in the stories that they read. They yeah. don't have to make the mistakes themselves. They can look at life and say, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to do this instead. And honestly, as you're reading with your kids, you can stop and say, well, I didn't like how they interacted there. What do you think they could do differently? It's a way to even teach our children how to act in an appropriate manner. Very good. Okay, and what about the anti-heroes for a story or, or the villains, for lack of a better term? What about what do you look for in a in a good anti-hero? Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. But a good anti-hero would be someone who's believable, mm -hmm. someone who's not totally flawed, mm -hmm. not someone who has no redemptive characters, because we don't know anyone like that. Okay, so realistic characters, both protagonists and antagonists, we want people with flaws and redemptive qualities. <laughs> Fantastic. What's number two? We want our protagonist to change over the course of the story. Going back to the Caddy Woodlawn example, she learned that she needed to care for her sister and learn from that. But a better example of that is Carry On Mr. Bowditch, where you've got a boy who is a, really a genius and should go to school and become a professor. But due to circumstances outside of his control, he ends up working in a low-level job in a shop. And he could get stuck there. He could have been somebody who said, okay, this is my life. But no, he chooses on the counsel of someone who says to him, sail by the ash breeze, which means Learn how to move even when the breeze isn't going the direction that you should. Okay. So he does. He studies on the side. He meets up with people that he knows. He takes notes on things. He learns languages in order to learn the things that he needs to know, even to do his job more effectively. Solid character development. It's important. And we want to give our kids that example in the books that we read. 
So the character can't stay in the same stuck position that they are at the beginning because then we don't have a character arc there. We don't have a change for the better, right? Correct. And we always want to give our kids the idea that they don't have to stay stuck anywhere, but they can move forward with the things that come their way. They can overcome, they can change, they can grow, they can mature, they can get better. And that doesn't mean that then that character is flawless at the end of the book, right? It just means that they have grown. Correct. Oh, we don't ever think anybody's flawless because we all have flaws. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So number one, real and realistic characters. And number two, solid character development. What's number three? Number three is the content needs to add to your cultural literacy. And I referred to this a little bit earlier when we talked about having a print rich home. I believe cultural literacy is something that's a key indicator of an educated person. <laughs> And what I mean by that, if you have an understanding of the world and you have an understanding of the bigger picture of things, you actually can respond to the news that comes into your home, to the conversations of the people that you meet. You understand the things that are happening in the world and in history. So our, the books that we choose often tie to the history that the kids are reading. So, for example, when they're studying the Revolutionary War, kids read Johnny Tremaine, which is a story that takes place at that particular time. But it adds value and depth and understanding and feeling and emotion to the study of history that they're actually doing. So we can add to the cultural literacy and the understanding of the world that our kids are walking in, you know, in through the books that we do. I have found that when I'm studying a historical time period with my kids, Getting to slip into the shoes of one person from that particular time period is really effective in helping us understand the bigger picture of what's happening. Because it's different when you're reading a, a textbook, it's easy to be detached, right? But then when you slip into the shoes of Johnny Tremaine, it's impossible to remain detached. When our kids are home with us, we feel like we want to give them experiences and knowledge that they need in their adult lives. And we're not really sure how we can fill all those gaps, right? I know as a parent, I feel like, oh, goodness, how can I give my kids everything they need? before they leave home. It's sort of like a quote I've heard, which is, a man who reads lives a thousand lives. The man who doesn't read lives only one. And I think, okay, that's what we're doing. We're giving our kids practice at a thousand different lives before they leave home by doing it through the pages of a book. And I want to just say, this isn't related to this all, but you're never going to give your children everything they need by the age of 18. But what if you can give them a love of learning, they'll go out and learn what they need to learn throughout the rest of their life. So Release yourself from the fact that you need to give them everything they need. If you can cultivate a love of learning, you have empowered them for life. So good. So good. Okay. So number one, real and realistic characters. Number two is solid character development. Number three is content that adds to the reader's cultural literacy. What about number four? We look for an intriguing multidimensional plot. And probably the easiest one to see that whole idea from is uh, the new one of the newer Newbery medalists, When You Reach Me. It's a story of a girl who's going back and forth to school and meets this very odd young man that keeps kind of stepping in and out of her life. And as the story unwinds and unweaves, you see how all these strange episodes that occur throughout the book eventually all link together. A beautiful picture of a plot that's been woven with pieces and parts that ultimately come together in a whole. Boy, that's my favorite kind of a story where you just see all these threads and they all come together in the end and you go, glory. That was perfect. <laughs> Sarita, have you read Pam Munoz Ryan's book, Echo? I have. And isn't it wonderful? Yeah. It just when you were talking about the different threads kind of weaving together, I mean, that book was 
I listened to it on audio, which was a particularly exquisite experience because they the book has a lot of musical elements and they play them for you in the audiobook oh. as yeah, it's phenomenal. We'll put a link to that one in the show notes because it's so good. And it, it reminds me so much of that intriguing multidimensional plot piece that you're talking about. It's, it's good. It's good. So that's number four. Okay. Uh, number five is it needs to be emotionally compelling. It has to move me. And probably an example of that story would be Little Britches for me. Uh, years and years ago, World Magazine had a contest where they said, okay, let's get the very best final passages of a book. And uh, Little Britches was one of the contestants in that. And I'd really love to just read those last, that last oh, paragraph. Yeah. Please do. Because it's the story, it's the story of a young man whose father is very involved in his life when they moved to Littleton, Colorado, and they spend time trying to make their farm work. And it's the interaction that they have that's so beautiful throughout the story. And the final paragraph of this book is, Father had always said grace before meals, always the same 25 words, and the ritual was always the same. Mother would look around the table to see that everything was in readiness. Then she would nod to Father. That night, she nodded to me, and I became a man. It's one of those where you're looking for a story that says, this touches who I am in my inner core. Because if it touches us, it's going to touch the hearts of our kids as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's when the story stays with you is when you've been, your emotions have been stirred. That's correct. And you remember even the historical things that were happening at that time. So that's why you want to couple your history and your readers or your read alouds so that the kids remember all of those historical events in a way that's normal and natural and super easy to do. Well, that's so interesting. We just spent the weekend in Seattle, my family and I, and as we were driving I, all these scenes from Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet, which is not a children's book at all. It's a book I read, <laughs> I read from my book right, club right. a couple of years ago. But they came back to me. And just like you said, it's like the story was weaving together these places and that time in history in a way that I, because my emotions had been so stirred by that book. I don't think that would have happened. I don't think I would have had that connection without the story there to hold it together for me. I, I totally agree. And that's what we want for our kids as well. Mm -hmm. And that's why reading to your kids these these great stories as a way to impact their life and their heart. Uh, so number six is uh, needs to be verbally beautiful. <laughs> and I think a good example of that one for me is um, Horton Hatches, the egg. When you just look, go through that cadence and, and it should be, and it should be, and it should be, <laughs> and it catches our sense of justice. You know, we want this to go right. We want this to be not to be hurt. We don't want to be hurt. We want them to have something good and it should be, and it should be because he was faithful. Boy, isn't that the kind of thing we want to give our kids in all of the things that we read? Beautifully, verbally beautiful. Yes, absolutely. I like to, when I'm kind of vetting books for my kids or looking at a bookstore, if I think, huh, I haven't seen this on a book list. I wonder if this is any good. I feel like you can pretty much open the book and read a passage, you know, a page or less than a page, depending on what kind of book it is, and get a good feel for whether the language is going to stir you or sort of deaden your emotions. And what you're looking for is language that enlivens your imagination. And then the seventh thing is it has to be rereadable. <laughs> That's uh, one of the titles I used to have in Sunlight was um, Where the Red Fern Grows. And I'm going to get trouble on this one, I'm sure. But I had it in the curriculum and I read it to our children, my children the first time. And then I came back through and did the program again. And I picked it up and I went, I actually can't read this again. <laughs> yeah. So then I found a replacement. <laughs> so it got pulled because I thought it's not rereadable. 
Uh, for me, the uh, epitome of rereadable is, of course, C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. The Horse and His Boy is one. Uh, there was a series of my, there was a period in my life when I read through the entire series at least once a year for years and years of time. You know, just the quality and the caliber and the and the beauty of the language and the it, just rereadable. Boy, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, those so books that, where you can't wait to read them again with your kids mm-hmm, or with your mm-hmm. next batch of kids that are coming up the pike. Those are the ones. I mean, that's E.B. White for me. I am like, how old? I mean, I'm almost like counting down the time till I think my little kids can sit through <laughs> listening to the trumpet of the swan because <laughs> I cannot wait to reread it. <laughs> you know, and that is so interesting because um, when the kids were grown, my kids were grown. My children are older at this point in time. But when they were probably in high school, we would go camping as a family. And we always took books along to read around the campfire at night. And uh, so I asked them, so what would you like to read? And they said, they got together, they conferred, and they said, we think we'd like to read Charlotte's Web. And I thought, wow, they read that in first grade. <laughs> wow. Uh, another one that we like to reread a lot is The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which I just think oh. is such a delightful read aloud. So much fun. Yeah, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. So real and realistic characters solid character development, content that adds to the reader's cultural literacy, an intriguing multidimensional plot. It's emotionally compelling, verbally beautiful, and re-readable. I love those seven points. Now, to have a book fall into the seven-point test, you kind of have to pre-read it. So how, do you have any recommendations for parents who are going, oh gosh, I can't pre-read everything before my kids do? How do I know if a, if a book is going to pass a seven-point test? Do you have any well, tips or pointers for them? Well, I would probably get good book lists. I would get our Sunlight Catalog because they're all uh, specifically chosen. Now, they'll be tied to our history themes. So some of them will be a little maybe outside of what your realm might be. Get lists, get recommendations from people. I would, and honestly, I probably wouldn't even worry too much about it. Your kids will get to the point where they'll go, I actually don't want to read Mandy. I want to read something better than that. I don't necessarily want to read Nancy Drew because I like this more. Yeah. And experts would actually say that even reading some of the lower level books are actually good for our kids as well. Some of the series ones, uh, the Babysitter's Club, for example, kids learn how to speed read as they read through some of those less quality books. They learn how to pick and choose the different facts that they need. Oh, I can skip this section because I know how they set up their calls. No, no, no. And then you can teach them how to skim or read more loosely. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress about it. I guess that's my only point there. I would just allow them to read, give them the freedom. I'd pass them things that are a little different than they're used to. If they only read horse books, I'd probably try some historical fiction. If they only read sci-fi, I'd try maybe a biography of someone who's critical or important. So I would just take charge of this, but give your kids the freedom and the willingness to try anything that that's out there. I love that. I also, I will tell you that Sunlight Catalog, which we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so that listeners can go grab that catalog and have it mailed to them because I love the book list in that catalog. Sometimes if I'm in a bookstore or in the library and one of my kids brings me a book and says, can I read this? And I'm not totally sure. One of the first things I'll do is check the Sunlight website to see if you guys have it in one of your curriculum packages because I'll know, oh, it's in your you know third, fourth, fifth grade-ish curriculum, then it's totally fine for my child of this age. You know, it's, it's a great resource. When you're talking to homeschooling families about, you know, how many books their kids are reading on their own and prioritizing read aloud, do you have encouragement or anything for parents who want to read aloud more? I try to read every day. I use it as kind of a motivational tool. When my kids were home, we did what we called table subjects first. You know, we'd hit the math right away and we'd get to the spelling when they were still fresh and still awake. And then we would take a break, 
And then we would do what we call our couch subjects, where we would sit and read our history books and our science books. Read alouds, I usually read a chapter a day, or if they're short chapters, so it's about 25 to 30 pages a day. It's not a set number, but it's about that amount. We're just, and of course, we would always uh, keep on reading if the kids were intrigued. There was one title we were reading, uh, Seven Daughters and Seven Sons, and I think we probably read it in three days because they were just <laughs> so captured by that. And I think, well, why in the world would we stop? Yeah. <laughs> Unless your voice gives out, but maybe. <laughs> but it was one of those where they'd say, oh, well, help with the dishes. If you just keep reading, I'm thinking, this is a great motivational tool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was um, By the Great Horn Spoon is a book that I have. I mean, that's happened to us with a few different books, but By the Great Horn Spoon, I think we read that one in just a couple of days. It was sort of Everybody go do one more thing and then we'll come back and read another chapter. Okay, everybody go do one more thing. One more. <laughs> we'll come back. I oh, promise we will. Yeah. Oh, we, just, we all love Praiseworthy. What a great story. So is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with today, Sarita, before we wrap up? Well, if I could just do a recommendation for all the families that are out there. I know it's something Sarah preaches regularly, but if you're not reading aloud to your children, please do so. And I would say that for both moms and for dads. <laughs> I have a beautiful memory of my son who was 17 at the time. All of his older siblings were out of the house. And there was a summer that they sat shoulder to shoulder next to each other on the couch reading through the Little Bridges series. And that is a precious memory that I think, how many parents have that as a memory in their family's lifehood where they're sitting pressed next? And he could, of course, read them on his own, but read him even to your older children because it's a chance to link up and to have connection and tie and have all those memories together, you all gain. Uh, the dad had a wonderful time because it was a series he adored and the son had a wonderful time because he got to connect with his dad. So moms, read to your children. Dads, read to your children. This is a gift you can give them that will last them a lifetime. So wonderful. Sarita, thank you so much for joining us on the Read Aloud Revival. It's been wonderful to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate what you do. Carry on. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. What is your name? Bentley Newman. William Bentley Newman. How old are you? Two. Where do you live? Hawaii. Hawaii. What is your favorite book? Best Nights On. Written by Karma Wilson and Dan Thomas. Good job. What happens in Bear Storms On? And now this is years old and I live in Colorado Springs and my favorite book is Ellie because Ellie can paint likes to she likes to paint and she can paint all by herself hi my name is Kimby I am eight and a half years old I am from Colorado Springs and my favorite book is because of when Dixie and it is my favorite book because it's really cute, and it describes really well. My name is Sayla, and I'm nine years old. I live in Calgary, Canada, and my favorite book is Because of Winn-Dixie by Kate Dickenmillum. 
I like it because it is funny and about a dog, and I love dogs. One of the funny parts is that whenever the dog smiles, it sneezes. Hi, my name is Ellie, and I'm six years old. I live in Calgary, Canada. My favorite book is A Bear Called Paddington because it is funny and he goes on a lot of adventures. Hi, I'm Abigail and I'm 10 years old. I live in Calgary, Canada. My favorite book is Thank You, Mr. Falker by Patricia Polacco. I like it because the girl in the story struggles with reading and I struggle too. I also like it because she has a teacher who helps her and I also do, my mom. Hi, my name is Ovi and I'm four years old and then I love a robot Uncle. My story is Ginger and Pickles. And my favorite part of the book is um, the cat one who um, I cannot bear city to see them going out the door carrying royal parcels. Hello, my name is Charlotte. I'm 10 years old and I live in Illinois. One of my favorite books is The Penderwicks. It introduces you to a normal family of five who go on a summer vacation and meet and one interesting boy. It's a really good book, and I think it's good for any age. There's three other books in the series that are just as good, but I think my favorite one in the whole series is the first one. My name is Ailey Grace Haynes. I'm four and a half. I live in Waterford, Texas. My favorite audio book is Miss Pickle Wiggle because it has a lot of cures that teaches kids and that teaches me. My favorite book that mommy read me is Where the Sidewalk and because there's lots of silly poems and they're really silly and they make me laugh. Bye! I'm Summer Diane. Summer Diane, where do you live? I live in Waterford. How old are you? I'm two. And what's your favorite book that mommy reads you? Emma and Julia. Emma and Julia like ballet. Thank you. Thank you, kids. And that's it for this episode of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, if you haven't yet, would you mind hopping onto iTunes and leaving us a rating review and hitting the subscribe button there? That way you won't miss any episode of the Read Aloud Revival. And also you make it easier for other families to get the encouragement that they need to make meaningful and lasting connections with their kids through books. All you need to do is go to iTunes on your mobile device, your phone, your iPad, whatever you're using to listen, and give us a star rating from one to five stars and a review. I read every single one. I love them. Thank you so much for being a part of our listening community. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Read Aloud Revival. Until then, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Thank you.